0: With governments trying to restrict online gaming recently in their societies, Find Out Why is raising awareness about the political aspects of games in culture, the preservation of freedoms, and the social impact of gamer communities. We've reached out to Dr. Leandro Borges Lima, who specializes in digital games, cyberculture, social networks, and sociability on the internet. And in this interview, he sheds light on the reality that games are integral in modern culture.
1: I would say that definitely what I see the most is an interest in the sociological and political aspect of games.
0: And he explains how they can factor into identity formation.
1: So your gamer identity, it's there. It's one of the many aspects of yourself that you may or may not have. Don't be shy about it. There's nothing wrong in playing games whichever age you are you never grow grow out of games you can grow with the games
0: We started this interview by asking Dr. Borges Lima, when did games become a study topic in academia and what is his research focus?
1: Basically, since games started being produced or being developed, people started also worrying about games and trying to understand them from different areas within science. My focus is, of course, from a communication, media, more sociological perspective, political perspective, But there are other many ways of studying games, from design perspectives, from more uh, game development and coding perspectives, and so on and so forth.
0: When did game studies become formally a research topic? And what is the major advancement you see in the study of sociology and politics of games?
1: It really became more of a topic of discussion, kind of after the 2000s. Before that, we have a lot of literature, important research has been made, but was kind of scattered around. Now we have it more concentrated and we really have a community around it. And in this community, I would say that definitely what I see the most is an interest in the sociological and political aspect of games. Personally, I think there's been a lot of advancement in the application of queer theory and queer studies to games. There's been a surge in that topic in the past four or five years, and it's ongoing. And that is very positive because games can be, and still are seen, especially by the media, as the realm of the white male heterosexual gamer, whereas that's not really the case. The case is that gamers are very diverse.
0: How do you see the role of the player, their agency, in relation to the game itself?
1: In in my kind of research, I always try to tackle all the aspects that are involved in what I call the video games culture or the video games practice. Uh, so I always try to look at it as a configurative dynamic where Players configure the industry, the industry configure the players, but also societal discourses, societal problems, uh, our backgrounds, our personal experiences, they configure how we engage with games. And that can also lead to how developers develop games. And in that perspective, I see the role of the player as a fundamental one because it's hard to grasp what a game can tell someone without a player to play the game. So the player has a central role. Even when we're doing research that is more just a content analysis of the game themselves, we as researchers, we are the players, we are the gamers. We are the ones that make the game happen and make the the story happen and control the characters. So that perspective and that experience also plays a role when we are analyzing just the game's content.
0: Is it only when one plays games? that um, they considered part of the gaming culture?
1: You don't need to have a console. You don't need to have the gear to play games, to understand them and and to make sense of them. You can simply watch people playing games. It's more common nowadays that people will sit down and watch uh, people playing games, but it's also not necessarily a new thing. The game watching experience has always been there so you, you would always have like a crowd of people watching someone playing the arcade, waiting for their turn, and watching people playing games it was always there. There are different ways of learning about it and of understanding the language of games. So the media can also help with the games literacy nowadays because they tend to show these big esports tournaments and they have commentators, which then will explain very clearly to the audience what's going on. And just by watching that and listening to that explanation, you can learn more about games and understand why are they so big in in our current society.
0: Can games replace traditional education mod methods?
1: We've been studying games for education for a long, long time it's been a topic there's there's a field for this called uh, edu gaming or we can also brand it under the serious games umbrella and there's a market for it companies working on creating games that are focused on educating people about something i come from a slightly different angle in the sense that i think the games that we play on an everyday basis the games that are the big best sellers out there can also be used for teaching purposes. I was teaching a a course on games and I gave a lot of games for my students to play or to watch every week. They had to do a gaming diary where they would reflect about whichever games they played or watched that that week, which then helped them develop a better understanding of games. But that was a games-focused course. But I do believe that it's not just in those courses that games can be useful. I also use it in other courses that have nothing to do with gaming, but I use them as examples. I use them as something that people can engage with and question themselves somehow. And all sorts of of games work for that. I think that it's underestimated how games can help us explain a lot of things that are happening in the world in the same way that movies and books and TV series can. Some games do give you a lot of agency and you can basically do anything within it. My belief is that because of this agency, because we can interact directly with the game and the game characters, it really helps us experience things in a different way or experiment with different modes of seeing the world, modes of living in the world. And just by doing that, it can lead to a better understanding of ourselves
0: Can the game design pose some limitations to self-exploration? I mean, some of the emotions are embedded in the game itself.
1: There's the possibility for game designers to embed the game with emotions, with values that they want to convey to people, so they will encode messages in the game. But the way that these messages are then decoded, it can vary. So if we go back to Stuart Hall, which is the the father of the encoding-decoding model, You say that we have these negotiated dominant and oppositional readings of any media material. So whichever emotions and messages were encoded and values that were encoded in the text, they can be interpreted in many ways by the audience on the other end. Because the, the player is being configured simultaneously by so many things, by the game, by where they're playing the game, by when. And this... Scenario also will then impact the emotions and feelings of players as well. So everything is really connected from the production of simple parts of the game to the people sitting down and playing a game in their sofa while eating a pizza or something.
0: Are the communities of gamers also a research topic in game studies?
1: Multiplayer games, they have more of an ability to create this big community than a single player game does but the single-player games also create communities, albeit in a very different way. And this community is often not restricted to just the gaming environment. It moves to internet forums like Reddit, it moves to WhatsApp groups or Discord groups and becomes something more than just the game and the moment of the game itself.
0: Video games and radicalization, is there a correlation?
1: There is an inconsistency in how we talk about the problems of video games and violence in the sense that there is no real correlation between games causing violence and therefore causing radicalized acts like shootings, for example. Uh, There's no study that actually proved anything remotely consistent about it. However, another issue of radicalization with games that then is way more dangerous and where the connection is a lot more clear, is a lot more present, That is the connection of gamers with outright politics. And that is something that we know happens. Back in 2014, we had this Gamergate. The Gamergate, briefly, was a big harassment campaign against specific kinds of creators, specific kinds of games that were, of course, on the more diverse gaming spectrum, uh, female game creators or games that are not just a war game and etc. Games that a lot of the gamers say it's not. They are not real games. And the GamerGate was very ugly thing that happened within games culture, but it was also something that was not totally unexpected. The stereotype of the white male heterosexual gamer. At the same time, that we can definitely say that they are not the majority. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist it does exist in a very toxic way. And this was very pronounced during the Gamergate scandal, the Gamergate controversy. The kinds of strategies and tactics that were used by people that were pro-Gamergate in terms of exposing uh, personal information of people, but also the way that they organized themselves in online forums where anonymity is, is very important, like Reddit, like 4chan, 8chan, and other online spaces. The ways that they organize themselves, the ways that they would create uh, misinformation or fake news and spread this kind of misinformation are very similar to the same ways that were used, for example, during Donald Trump's campaign in 2016. And there is this connection indeed between Gamergate, between these particular kind of gamers that's a very toxic community and the rise of the outright in terms also of their communication strategies that were kind of the brood within the Gamergate campaign. Even the terminology of gamer is a place of political dispute that is very much connected to this radicalization that is happening, especially among kind of teenage, young adult communities. I had some students that would tell me, I don't identify myself as a gamer because I don't want people to mistake me for a homophobic person, for a sexist person, for a racist person. And that's a dispute, again, a dispute of, of space, a dispute of visibility and voice that I think will be a continuous dispute. Dispute. I don't think it will ever really end. That It's also a dispute that with no clear victors. Uh, it's not just about gaming. It's, it's a social and political phenomena that happens to have games as part of it as well. And I think that needs to be looked into more carefully and understood more carefully because it is a breeding ground for everything. We want to give kids, we want to give anyone the tools to recognize when something is toxic, when something is potentially damaging to them so they can avoid that. That's the least we can do and the best we can do, I find.
0: Is being a player an identity?
1: Identity is something that is always changing, that we're always constructing, reconstructing, refiguring. Now, gamer identity is something that we can connect more to our consumption practices, to our cultural practice, cultural consumption. Uh, so it's more on this side of a kind of a capitalist identity, even that that's something that you kind of do because it's part of the world. But for some people, it will be a big part of their lives. For some people, not. But this identity process, it's, it is is very dynamic. It's very complex in general. The, the concept of identity is, is complex. The concepts of identification are complex. But identities are intersectional. They are about like our demographic stuff, that you can tick the boxes there, but they are also about our lived experiences. Uh, They are about the people that we connect with in a daily basis. So things are constantly changing. And I think that's, that's the beauty of it. So your gamer identity, it's there. It's one of the many aspects of yourself that you may or may not have. Don't be shy about it. There's nothing wrong in playing games. Whichever age you are, you never grow grow out of games. You can grow with the games.
0: What do you wish to see more in the future in the field of game studies?
1: Think about the research in games is growing and how can we translate that into also civic actions and something that we can bring to, let's say, teenagers or people that do not have access to either formal education or to the university, how can we bring them along into thinking about games in a more critical manner?
0: This was Leandro Augusto Borges Lima and Amelene Giolla for Find Out Why.